Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. See me okay? Something's not looking right here, but either way, welcome in. Glad to see you if you can see me. A little late this morning, that's okay. Looks like we're all squared away. I don't know what that was, but uh, glad glad to see you. Now that I can actually see you, and uh, let's get going. So a few things to talk about with you this morning right here on the live stream. First of all, I need to apologize, sort of. I need to sort of apologize, sort of, to state fans. I was a little harsh yesterday. On the radio show, just a little bit, a little harsh on the radio show yesterday uh, it, with my response to some of the, and let's call it what it is, the faux outrage about Lane Kiffin not being at the Connerly ceremony. I went a little too strong, so we'll talk about that. Also, Notre Dame makes their hire. Marcus Freeman, their new head coach at Notre Dame, and the next layer to it is he's keeping everybody. Brian Kelly is apparently going to have a hard time fielding a staff, at least from his former staff. Nobody's coming with him. Is that a red flag, or can we compare that to the time Nick Saban left Michigan State and nobody came with him really there either? Which one is more true? And then finally, the Major League Baseball lockout. Uh, You guys know me. I'm not a – I don't have a team. I am not locked into Major League Baseball, and I think – I'm the exact right person to gauge what this lockout will do to fans. So all that coming up right here in a very short time. My name is Michael Borky. I'm really happy to see you guys on this Wednesday morning. See, this is what I'm talking about. I'm just like going away on my end. Uh, I hope it's it's not on your end, but this looks like crap to me. Anyway, we'll just power through it. We'll uh, we'll just power through it. So uh, a lot to talk about today. And uh, join me on YouTube. It usually doesn't look like this. Michael Borky, find me there on YouTube. And uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also follow on Facebook and Twitter under the same name if you want. And wherever you get your podcasts, Mike in the Morning should turn up results. Find me there or just my name in Spotify and and like uh, the Spotify channel. That'd be great, too. So I'm everywhere. Let's get started. So I went a little hard. I went a little hard on Mississippi State fans yesterday. That is true. I, I did. We brought up the fact that the Connerly Trophy was given to Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin wasn't at the ceremony. He was instead doing an in-home visit with a high-level recruit, Jaheim Otis, who is currently committed to Alabama, but he lives in Mississippi, and he is a big-time, big-time, big-time player. Uh, And rather than being at the Connerly Trophy, Lane Kiffin was doing an in-home visit with a elite-level defensive lineman that is currently committed to Alabama that people think that Ole Miss has an outside shot at flipping him. Apparently, State also has an outside shot at flipping him. And he wasn't there. He was doing that instead. 
based on my observation, and, and it could be an inaccurate one, I saw a lot of state fans and media, so you know how that goes, who were bothered by his lack of presence. And we were talking about that. We, we talked about it on the show. One of the other guys on the show specifically talked about how it's a bad look and Mike Leach could be there, so you should be there and all that stuff. And other people went even stronger. Uh, I heard somebody call it an embarrassment and stuff like that. And my what I said on the radio show yesterday was uh, no amount of moral posturing about the Connerly Trophy presentation and who, in, who was there and who wasn't isn't going to unlose you the egg bowl it's kind of funny but it's also not not appropriate for somebody like me who wants to do what i do and how i do it to say something like that and take a cheap shot like that and for that i'm sorry i'm sorry that i took a shot like that however i think some of it is true and that's something that bothers me in this state so much and you see it with both sides so this is just a instant uh, incident where It's state fans doing it. You see it on both sides. Everybody's guilty of it. But this is the faux outrage stuff that drives me nuts around here. You, The people that are making this a thing, you don't really care. You don't really care that Lane Kiffin was there. It doesn't bother you at all. You don't care. Stop pretending like you care and and stop acting like there's some moral superiority uh, for, for you and and your coach who decided to spend his Tuesday night drinking whiskey or whatever Mike Leach's drink of choice is, hanging out at the Country Club of Jackson as opposed to doing a recruiting visit. Uh, you don't care. You are not outraged. It doesn't bother you. You don't think it's a bad look. And if the shoe were on the other foot, you would be defending it the same way Ole Miss people are today. The, the, the appropriate response, in my opinion, is to not really care and probably understand that going in home with Jaheim Hodis is more important is more important than being at the Country Club of Jackson on a Tuesday night, shaking hands with people you don't really care about. That's just me. If Mike Leach were with Otis, I would have the same exact take today. Recruiting's more important. Recruiting's more important than the Connerly Trophy. If this was the one chance that you got to go in home with that kid, then you go take that chance. That's what I would be saying right now if Mike Leach were the one that missed it. But but what bothers me here is this faux outrage, this moral posturing that people do here to try to make themselves feel better. That That's why I said what I did. And again, I'm, I'm sorry. I took a shot. I took a shot. I don't like taking shots. I took a shot. And I'm sorry about that. But there's a lot of truth in what I said. The, the people that were talking about this yesterday as if it's some kind of a deal don't really care. You don't care. You're just mad that he beat you in the Egg Bowl. That's that's what it is. Anyway, sorry. So I'm sorry I said that, but there's also some truth to it. If you're pretending like you care about who and who was not at the Connerly, you're doing just that. You are pretending. You don't really care. The moral posturing is incredibly transparent. And you know who cares the least? Sir, I, I guarantee you this. I, I promise you this. Who cares the least? about whether or not Lane Kiffin was there, is Matt Corral. I promise you he cares the least among anybody else. I swear. Oh, he's got to be there to support his guy. Like, that's not good for recruiting. His guy doesn't care. I promise. He doesn't care. 
Hell, they flew together. To they they took Lane to to Hattiesburg so he could go see Jaheim Otis, and then they flew Corral and Keith Carter and Wilson Love to to Jackson, and then they all flew back to Oxford together. I mean, like uh, the only people that care are, are people that are state fans. Let's be honest, and that's okay. I mean, I, I understand that that happens. Ole Miss fans do it too. The moral posturing thing is something that has existed here since I've lived here, and it will continue to happen forever. But forgive me for not being outraged that Lane Kiffin wasn't at the Connerly Trophy presentation, and he was instead recruiting a five-star defensive lineman. Forgive me if that's not something that I think is that bad. I'm sorry. Um Sterling, thank you for uh, for letting me know. Sorry, I'm just looking at these comments. Uh, and uh, thank you, Brett, as well. Wayne, good morning. Glad to see you. Sid, you're right. If Will Rogers had won, this would have been a non-issue. Or if Mike Leach was the one that didn't go, it would have been a non-issue, too. It's th- That's how this goes. I just uh, I got accused of something yesterday because I said what I did. And it's fair. Again, I took a shot that I should not have taken. It's a pretty funny line, though, right? I mean, come on, state fans, you can admit it too that being faux outraged about Lane Kiffin skipping the Connerly's not going to unlose you the egg bowl. That's kind of funny, okay? It's not appropriate, but it's kind of funny. Mike says, uh, Hey, that is just mad ballots were due before the egg bowl. Well, they changed that, Mike. They actually changed that. There was enough outrage about that to where they changed it and let the ballots get submitted after the egg bowl. It, uh, it, it didn't change anything. Lane may have been scared of the stage steps. Yeah, I learned this week that Lane Kiffin's scared of heights. You learn something new every day. Brett says, Leach had a pretty funny interview after nearly busting his butt at the club. I love my Rebels, but that man is a gem. Yeah, that was hilarious. It was really funny. And would you prefer, I mean, don't get me wrong, would you prefer your head coach be at something like that? Sure. I mean, Deion Sanders was there. It helps that his son was a nominee, but Deion was there in a wheelchair. All right, like you would prefer your coach be there. Sure. But I promise you, Matt Corral doesn't give a crap. And if the shoe were on the other foot, all the people that are pretending to be outraged about it would not be at all. That's just kind of how this goes. And I promise you, although some people just refuse to believe this, if the shoe were on the other foot and Mike Leach was doing an in-home with a five-star defensive lineman instead of being at the Connerly, I would have defended that decision too. I I would have. I really would have because I don't think it's a big deal. If Leach wasn't there, I would have defended it. Just like I am right now. If Ole Miss pretended to be upset that he wasn't, I would have done the same thing. It's just ridiculous that that was even a uh, a storyline. So, anyway. So, there's that. I am sorry for taking shots. I don't like that I did that. I really don't. Uh, that's not who I want to be. And I'm sorry. But sometimes, you know, sometimes. Notre Dame hired a new coach. Marcus Freeman is uh, the new head coach at Notre Dame. Uh, the, the players wanted him. Uh, apparently, uh, he is really well-respected in the coaching industry, and you know that because of what happened after Marcus Freeman was uh, awarded the opportunity to be the head, next head coach at Notre Dame. The entire coaching staff, or at least so far, is staying with him instead of going to Baton Rouge with Brian Kelly. Marcus Freeman's keeping Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator who also had some interesting things to say to his team. And again, I'm sorry, I don't know why it's looking grainy right now. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But Marcus Freeman uh, 
is keeping Tommy Reese and some of the things that Reese said to the team in, in his, Hey guys, I can't answer any questions, but I can tell you I'm back. I'm here. I'm sticking with you. Some of the other things that he said during that with some language uh, associated with it that I don't want to repeat here, uh, was interesting. It sounds like, and and I'm drawing inferences, uh, drawing lines between dots that may not exist, but it sounds like to me, uh, Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese and the staff there is far more liked by the players than the head coach was. That Marcus Freeman is far more liked by the other staff members than the head coach was because they're all sticking with him. And so my question is, is that a red flag? Should that be a red flag? Is it a red flag? Nobody going with Brian Kelly. And I know it's very similar to something that happened a long time ago when Nick Saban left Michigan State for LSU and uh, Ross Dellinger confirmed the story to be true yesterday that Nick Saban sent a plane to pick up his staff from Michigan State to join him at LSU, and nobody got on the plane. So knowing that happened that long ago, does that change the way you think about this with Brian Kelly? To me, this is a red flag. I view this as a red flag. I know it happened to Nick Saban a long time ago, and so maybe Brian Kelly is just Nick Saban reincarnated, and he's going to win a championship at LSU in short order, and everything's great, and he's just this great guy and a great coach and all that. But based on... Marcus Freeman keeping everybody at Notre Dame. And that, that's also the same thing as nobody going with Brian Kelly to LSU. To me, that's a red flag. Why does nobody there want to continue coaching with Brian Kelly? Why are they all happier staying at Notre Dame, coaching under Marcus Freeman, who's never been a head coach before, instead of going to LSU, presumably with a pay bump with Brian Kelly? You can't tell me that's not some kind of a red flag. Does it mean anything? Who knows? I mean, maybe... Kelly puts together a great staff and and all that stuff. I think he'll be able to. He's been in coaching long enough. He'll be able to do it, I'm sure. And I'm sure he'll win games because he's a good coach. But you can't tell me that you can look at this and think, ah, no big deal, whatever. It happened to Saban two decades ago. No big deal. It's fine that not a single one of his coaching staff guys, even one staff member who's been with him for almost two decades, doesn't want to come with him to LSU. It's fine. Fine. That's not a sign of anything at all. That's no big deal. I don't buy that. I cannot subscribe to that line of thinking, to tell you the truth. I can't subscribe to that at all. I think this is a red flag. Does it mean anything? Maybe not. But if I were an LSU fan, I would wonder, wait, why does nobody want to come to LSU with Brian Kelly? Why does nobody want to come with him? Because... This doesn't happen very often. Lincoln Riley's bringing staff members with him. A lot of his guys want to go to L.A. Billy Napier's going to bring some staff with him to Florida. He'll probably have to upgrade in some spots, but he's going to bring guys with him. No doubt. Whoever the Oklahoma coach is will bring some of his people with him. No doubt. When Lane Kiffin took the Ole Miss job, he brought staff members with him. When Mike Leach took the Mississippi State job, he brought staff members with him. They came with their guy. Why did nobody come with Brian Kelly? Why is nobody coming with him? That is a fair question to ask, and to me, that is a a red flag, if nothing else. 
we'll see what kind of staff he puts together. LSU is just going to throw money at this thing. And when you throw money at things, you, you tend to get what you want. And I'm sure that they will. But yeah, Lincoln Riley, man, you're exactly Lincoln Riley's bringing players with him or bringing coaches with him. Lincoln Riley's got coaches that he hasn't even <laughs> hired yet that are coaching for him. And you're telling me that this is just normal, no big deal. It's fine. I don't buy it. I uh, I really, really don't buy it. Brooks says Notre Dame had to salvage their recruiting class, currently number four. I also think to some degree, maybe very and, – and again, Marcus Freeman – was somebody that um, people were pointing to for a while to be the next head coach at Notre Dame. Brian Kelly even said last year, uh, people just kind of excused it as he misspoke, but Brian Kelly said that Marcus Freeman's going to be your next head coach. And then he had to go back and correct and say that Marcus Freeman's going to be the next big head uh, black head coach in college football. But what Brian Kelly said was, he's going to be your next head coach. So if you took Kelly at his word, Marcus Freeman was tabbed to be his replacement for a long time. Uh, so, so maybe it has nothing to do with it. I can't help but wonder if some of this is also a, we want to make the playoff. And our best path to do that is to have Marcus Freeman be our head coach. I, I, I can't help but wonder if that is something, maybe nothing, maybe it's not a factor at all, but if I'm, if I'm telling you the truth, I can't help but think that part of Swarbrick's decision to hire him was because they wanted to make the playoff this year should a small amount of chaos happen. I mean, Notre Dame is right there, guys. All it takes is Cincinnati losing to Houston. And so this is all it takes for Notre Dame to make the playoff. Alabama losing to Georgia. Alabama's the the underdog. Cincinnati losing to Houston. That's really all it takes, right, for, for them to move up into the spot. Maybe Oklahoma State jumps them, but still, all they need is two teams to lose in these four games, these four conference championship games that matter. They just need two losses, two of the right losses, and they're in position to make the playoff. I wonder if that was a factor in promoting him. But clearly the players love him. Clearly the other staff members would rather coach for him than that of Brian Kelly and uh, people around college football think he's he's going to do great things, and I have no reason not to believe that. Uh, he's been good everywhere he's gone. So it makes sense, especially after the staff thing. But I do wonder if it wasn't just salvaging a recruiting class, that it was salvaging their chance to make the playoff because they see an opportunity to make it. But the committee did say that they might factor in no Brian Kelly as part of that. Well, now they have a head coach. This is no interim thing. They have their head coach moving forward. Maybe that quiets some of that noise down some. It's interesting. Anyway, it's worth uh, worth considering. Why do we have an early signing day? That's a good question. I think um, I think this was an attempt to be player friendly. There are. Uh, I, I could be wrong. Honestly, this is just my guess. I could probably look it up. I don't remember exactly why, but you know how when the NCAA makes changes, it's a bunch of word salad anyway. My guess was recruiting was getting to the point where it's borderline harassment. And most kids by December know where they want to go. And so why not let them sign early so they don't have to spend another two months getting called 
by 50 coaches every single day, having their mailbox flooded with letters every single day, fans and, and people that shouldn't be contacting them, contacting them anyway, media members, uh, most of which are also just fans uh, with a platform who, who cannot possibly speak to these kids without uh, any semblance of objectivity. I mean, you've got people that, that write for these team sites that actively recruit for the teams that they cover. It's pretty pathetic. And I, I myself was not recruited by anybody, but I had people around me that were, and not a, not a, a really high level, no like five-star player next to me or anything, but it's, it sucks for them, honestly. You've got 10 schools recruiting these kids with five or six reporters from each school that are sending them DMs and text messages trying to get quotes and information and and all that. And it's really hard. And so a lot of these kids just want to end it. I know where I'm going. I'm going to Ohio State. Let me sign so Michigan can't call me anymore. Let me sign so Cincinnati or whoever can't have all 10 of their coaches calling me anymore. I want to be done. I think that's why this happened. It's to allow players to enjoy being a senior in high school, which only happens once, a little bit more because recruiting is miserable for these kids. It sucks. And uh, maybe that's, I think that's why. I could be wrong, but I think that's why they did this, to allow kids to just be done with the process. So, with an early signing day, Frank Gore would have played at Ole Miss. A lot of players would have gone different places if there was an early signing day. Uh, things change in the the last minute, and uh, it's almost as if there's nefarious things that happen in recruiting. No. No. Anyway, uh, finally, okay, taking a, away from college football, I, have a, I, I don't have much time this morning. Sorry, I, I've got to get going. I've got some things to do, some uh, – what was James Franklin saying? I forgot. I, I promised I was going to use that line more, and then I forgot what the line was. Um, I don't remember what he said. Either way, I got some stuff to do this morning, so I got to get going. But uh, turning the page away from college football into the Major League Baseball lockout. You guys know me by now. I said at the beginning of this, I say it all the time. I am not your uh, diehard Major League Baseball fan. I don't have a, a favorite team. Uh, I grew up uh, going to Greenville Braves games, and then they moved to Pearl here in Jackson. And then the Red Sox came in and built the brand new stadium uh, downtown where I was growing up. So I, I grew up just going to minor league baseball games without any fan affiliation. I didn't really care. I still don't really care at all. I don't have a team. I, I'm a very, very, very casual Fan, if there's something that's grabbing me, I'll watch it. I will watch the playoffs. I will watch the World Series. I'll watch Sunday night baseball if there's nothing else going on and it's a compelling matchup. But I think that I am the perfect person to talk about this and who it impacts the most. Because diehard baseball fans, you Atlanta Braves fans, will survive the lockout. You will. You will come back to being a Braves fan after the lockout. Cardinals fans will come back to being Cardinals fans whenever the lockout ends, whether it ends before the season begins or or whether it ends at any point during this season or they have an entire season without play, which I doubt. But still, whenever this lockout ends, you guys will be back. And I'll answer this question real quick because I'm kind of on a roll. 
Uh, no news on the on the Miami situation. No, no news. They uh, had one of their main athletic director candidates who's currently at New Mexico or New Mexico State pull out of the race. It's a mess down there right now in Miami. There's no organization whatsoever. Nobody knows what's going on. And that is a, a good thing for, for you right now. It's a mess. It's a disorganized mess. It's looking more and more likely that Manny Diaz stays, but you know things change like that. So don't take that statement uh, as, uh, as set in stone, but it's a disaster there right now. And uh, they... They have no idea what they're doing at the moment. But anyway, you Cardinals fans will be back. You Cubs fans will be back. The lockout doesn't affect you diehards because you will be back. They've done it before. They'll probably do it again, and you got stuck around. The lockout affects people like me. This is the worst possible timing for Major League Baseball to have a lockout. And I know, I know it's, oh, you're siding with the owners. No, I'm not. I'm not siding with either one. Honestly, they're both overpaid. They both have too much money, and I don't sympathize with either one, truthfully. I saw some of the contracts that were being given to players I've never heard of right before this lockout began. Oh, you're siding with the billionaire owners, and you're not defending the $100 million shortstops. No, I'm, I'm not. I don't defend either one. I don't care who's at fault. In fact, they're both at fault. They're both uber rich for business or baseball. Either way, I don't sympathize with either one. I don't necessarily care why this is happening. And yes, that that mess could scare both candidates. Absolutely. They they have no idea what they're doing at the moment. Um, But I, I don't care. They had a seven-minute meeting. Nobody's willing to budge. They're not negotiating, and now there's a work stoppage. I, I, I don't care why, and I don't sympathize with either one. Baseball players are overpaid. The, the, uh, it, I, multimillionaire athletes do not get my sympathy. Neither do billionaire owners. All I know is, right now, they're not going to be putting a product on the field. Things will change come January when the season's getting closer and closer, and maybe... They get a negotiation done, and, and they play, and there's no work stoppage. But if there's a work stoppage, you will lose people like me. And that is bad for baseball because our attention span in society is smaller than it's ever been, especially in sports. If you are not relevant always, you will never be relevant. It's hard to come back to relevancy in today's day and age. You will leave a void that will be filled quickly. And you're already seeing a trend in baseball where younger people don't care. The games are too long. The games are too slow. They're tuning out. They're not interested. TV ratings have not been good. Playoff ratings were not good. They they were approaching historically bad, even with America's team, the Atlanta Braves, being in it. World Series ratings weren't good. They're, They're bad. Baseball is losing attention with younger audiences and the national audience. It's strong local. It's strong in Atlanta. It's strong in Lake uh, St. Louis and Chicago and Houston, New York. It's strong in those places. Nationally, nobody gives a crap. And this is bad timing because we have short attention spans now. And we will fill the void with something else. I will fill the void with something else. I will not sympathize with multi-million dollar baseball players. I will not sympathize with the billionaire owners. I don't care. I'm just not going to consume their product anymore. Because if you can't come to an agreement 
to play baseball for stupid amounts of money, they don't care about consuming your product. I already think you're spoiled rotten anyway. I'm not going to care anymore. And come opening day, if you're not there, I'll find something else. And that's a problem because young people, and I'm technically still young, I'm 29 for a few more months, are tuning out of baseball, are caring less and less about baseball. Our attention spans are waning. So if you do this, slipping into irrelevancy can be permanent for you. It can damage you forever. This is really bad timing because you're falling off a cliff. Only football is not falling. A void will be filled with something else. I promise. And young people are going to tune you out. They'll find something else. This is a terrible time to lock out. And if they do miss games, and if they do have a shortened season or whatever, it will permanently damage Major League Baseball. I promise you it will, because we will find something else. So uh, spare me the, it's the player's fault or it's the owner's fault. I, I don't care. All I care about is they won't be playing. And so when baseball season comes, I will find something else. And I don't know if I'll go back. Because if you if you are so stubborn and hard-headed with all of your money on both sides, all of your money, to where your meetings last seven minutes, you don't even try to negotiate with each other, I'm fine. I'll find something else to do. And somebody that was once a big consumer of Major League Baseball, I used to. I used to watch all the national games all the time. I would always have it on. Always. I am less and less interested every year. They don't do a good enough job of grabbing me. And they lock out. I'm good never watching again. I'm cool with that. I'm telling you, I will find something else. And there are a lot of people like me. During the World Series, Major League Baseball is not the lead story nationally. What's going to happen now? What happens if the MLB implodes on itself? That's, I mean, that's already happening. That's what's crazy. It's already happening. And the fans lose the most. They're not the losers here, but they lose the most. Baseball fans are a committed breed. 162 games a year. And you've got people that watch every single one and are locked in and emotionally invested in every single one. And you're doing a disservice to those people. The few hangers on. And you punish them the most. So go ahead and lock out. And you'll lose. People like me. And eventually you're going to start losing money. But I guess that day hasn't come yet. We'll see in January, though. I mean, they've got time. They've got plenty of time. But this is really bad for them. Our attention spans are dwindling. It's the size of a goldfish now. Hello, Ted Lasso. I don't think it'll ever get that bad where the league ends itself. I don't think it'll get that bad. But there has to be a dramatic shift in leadership. Things have to change dramatically when it comes to leadership. Um, what's crazy is baseball players are, are asking for more than what NFL players get. Which sport is more physically taxing? And which sport makes a hell of a lot more money? Oh, baseball plays more games. Yeah, I would much rather play 162 games of baseball than 17 football games in the National Football League. I promise you that. The NFL NFL players' careers are shorter. They make less money. And yet they play every year. They find a way. They get less of a percentage. 
They have salary caps. They find a way to play. And they're relevant every month of the year. College football's popularity is stronger than it's ever been. <laughs> William, it's no, it's the, uh, the the memory of a goldfish. Not the size of a goldfish, but the memory of a goldfish. You need to watch Ted Lasso. Yeah, it's uh, you need to be a goldfish. They have a short-term memory of like 15 seconds or something like that, he says in the show. I don't remember the exact quote. I've only watched the show once, but he tells his team to be a goldfish after a tough loss. Forget about it. Look forward. Have that short attention span. You can argue that the Major League Baseball is now the third sport to watch at best. And and people will use the, well, more fans go to baseball games than any other sport. Yeah, because they play 81 home games. If there are 81 NFL games, there would be more, right? Uh, yeah, it, it's it's the NFL way, way up here. NFL's way up here. Big step down. College football. Big step down. The NFL. All right the NBA, and Major League Baseball. That's that's where we are, and the NBA is more popular than Major League Baseball, if you can believe it. I know some people around here don't believe me when I say that, but it it is. Uh, It is. It makes more money, too. TV deals are bigger. So on and so forth. Either way, if they lock out, they're going to lose people like me. And people like me is what the NFL thrives on is what college football thrives on. They'll figure it out one day. Hopefully it's not too late. Anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, I've got to go. I'm sorry. Uh, I wasn't as, as detailed today as usual. I've just, I've got to run, but thank you guys so much for tuning in and uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Hopefully talking about a Saints win. Hopefully. Doubtfully, but hopefully talking about a Saints win. I'll see you then. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.